correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPGs, a podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here tonight with my friend Steve. What's up, Steve? Oh, not too much. How's you? Oh, you know, pretty good. Get ready for the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to the beach. Go down there and get sand in your shoes and all that other fun stuff. Oh, yeah. While I'm down there, I think I'm going to listen to a podcast on the ride down, though. Are you? Yeah. What podcast are you going to listen to? I'm going to listen to the Staggering Dragon podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. Our friends over to Staggering Dragon, another podcast here on the D20 Network. They're just, uh, they're a lot of fun. We had, uh, well, he's not, they're always their GM, but he's often their GM. I think he GM'd all the actual plays they have up on the feed. His name's Dustin. We talked with him, oh, I don't know, a couple months ago about curveballs. Yeah, because he's Did, dealt with a few. Are, yeah, they're, they are some curveballs. <laughs> listening oh, to that podcast. So much fun. So much fun. Yeah, really great podcast and, and fantastic backlog. I would highly recommend going back and listening to, well, pretty much everything they've put out so far because it's great. And they do also do some like kind of pop culture discussion stuff that's pretty entertaining as well. So, uh, can check them out. I'll put the link to that in the show notes because it's kind of a long one, but it's called The Staggering Dragon. And if you search them on most of your podcast apps, you can find them. So Yeah, very cool. Well, anyways, so we were sort of on, a, on the fence about a topic for today. And you said to me about playing 20 questions. And I said, sure, why not? Yeah, well, I just thought it would be kind of like, you know, we probably won't get to 20 because this is us and we ramble and go on tangents, but I just thought it might be kind of a fun thing to like, you know, random ish RPG related ish questions, you know, a lot of ish. Yeah. A lot of ish, a lot of ish <laughs> going on in the world. <laughs> so I've made a list of a few things and, uh, I asked you to do the same. Now, of course, oh. I only asked you that like an hour ago. So whether you actually got anything written down, I don't know. But Oh, I, I completely misread that message. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, you know, we'll fly by the seat of our pants because that's what we do best anyway. <laughs> I, I read a message that was like, oh, I have I have uh, questions for you. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't see the part where you were like, hey, maybe you should make some too. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I'm sure I can ask you some questions. Okay. Well, but what my thought was is kind of like, okay, we ask a question, you answer the question, and then I answer the, the same question. And okay. then you ask a question, you know, we bounce it back and forth and we can modify the rules as we go along because right. we're writing this game while we play it. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, here's one to start. What's like a, a game system that you re used to really like, but now you've just kind of like you don't like you just don't want to play it anymore. You know, maybe it's Dungeons and Dragons with the day. Sorry. That's fair. No, I actually, you know what? And, and it's it's thematic and this will sort of date when we're recording this. 
was announced today that Spelljammer and Dragonlance are coming to 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. I don't care so much about Dragonlance. I'm sorry, folks. I know you like it, but not my jive. However, Spelljammer, I am down for some Spelljammer. And it's actually got me thinking about playing 5th edition again because I'm like, man, I said I wouldn't play that. And then I was like, yeah, but Spelljammer's coming. And like, I really like that setting. And that's actually one of those ones where it's kind of like Eberron. You know, Eberron could be played in other settings or other systems, but I'm not 100% how, sure how you could play Eberron in other systems. Yeah, well, like the, the Eberron Renewed guys do it in Genesis, and I've heard other people do that. I know Christian Serrano did a conversion of it for Savage Worlds. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's fine, but like, I don't know. To me, Eberron is one of those game systems that's built in such a way that or I, systems i keep saying systems one of those game settings that's built in such a way that it's sort of part of its heart and charm is dungeons and dragons and it was built with that in mind i'll go to the thing that, that my head bounces off every time i think about putting eberron into another system which i have spent quite a bit of time thinking about it's hearing keith baker talk about it and him saying that one of the core premises of Eberron was them taking the idea of, okay, what if we treat magic as a science or a technology? Right. And that really doesn't work, in my opinion, that that premise doesn't work with, say, the Genesis magic system or the Savage Worlds magic system, which is thematically very similar, my understanding anyway. You know, it's it's much more narrative. You have a blast effect. You have, you know, a burn effect, whatever. I think the reason that works so well in D&D is Dungeons and Dragons was built with that magic system. I wouldn't say at its core, but one of its core principles. Genesis at its core, and, and this is a complaint I have levied with Genesis. Genesis at its core does not have a solid magic system. Well, it's because it was designed for Star Wars. It had the force. Right, but what I'm getting at is there is no officially supported FFG product or Edge product that has a defined magic system for Genesis at this time. Keyforge has some magic in it, but it's not a not clearly and easily usable. The core book lays out some type of rules for magic, but those aren't clearly and easily usable. That's why there's so many things on the Foundry that have tried to make magic systems. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think it's it's a weird thing. And to be completely honest, for me, Genesis, I like it for doing weird things that aren't necessarily magic. So, yeah, and I think that's the other thing is that magic in Genesis implies combat, and combat in Genesis is sort of the worst part of Genesis. In some ways, yeah. Like I love that system, but the the fact of it is is that it's combat is very different. Yeah, trying to avoid combat in Genesis is is kind of like it should almost be deadly as how bad it is to avoid combat in Genesis. But that's a whole different problem and I'm sure I'll hear I'm sure I'll hear it from the peanut gallery how I'm wrong or how I'm not thinking about it right. Yeah, Huli, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I've referred to you as the peanut gallery now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know of a, a, an iconic fruit of Australia, so Call them Kiwis. They love that. Yes, but then our, our our actual Kiwi listeners will get upset. I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, so all that to be said, I think the game system I don't want to play ever again is probably, I don't know. Like, 5th edition is on the on the list there. Well, we have Level Up now, too, which I haven't actually read, despite I have it, but... Yeah, I, I haven't got around to reading that either. Pathfinder, there it is. Love Pathfinder, but I don't have any interest in ever playing Pathfinder again. Sorry, Pathfinder fans. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you like it. It's great, but it's not for me. I think Pathfinder I would have really enjoyed had I gotten into it, but I didn't, and now I don't really care to. I think, though, for me, the system that I used to like and now I don't, I mean, our listeners have heard me grumble about it. Exactly. Palladium. <laughs> and I think the thing is, at the time, it was not as bad as it feels now. When it was developed in the late 80s, early 90s, it was, everybody was doing a lot of rules, very simulationist. And it's kind of a weird system in a way because it's sort of a mashup of like classic D&D D20 on one hand and like the BRP D100 on the other. And they just sort of got smushed together and there's not really a coherent line between where they separate. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the term ignorance is bliss fits that one really well. <laughs> and that's not me being rude. I'm just stating that like the ignorance of not knowing or not having a better system to compare it to means that Palladium at the time for you was the system, was the best thing. I think, yeah. I think that's that's where it, yeah. And then there, I'll call it the organization of their books. Well, there was clearly a method to it because they're all very similar. I have yet to figure out what that method actually was. So I think that's that's where I'm at on that one. So yeah, I'd have to say, you know, the Palladium engine in general. All right. You have anything that's come to mind as a question? What's your favorite flavor of Mountain Dew? Classic green Classic stuff. Classic green stuff. All right. Yeah. I'm a, a the the orange whatever the orange one is isn't bad. I'm not I'm a I'm a fan of some code red. Yeah, see that, that doesn't do it as much for me. All right. You're going to get RPG questions out of Steve and dumb questions out of me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite dice set? Um, I, I know you're, you're, you're a dice goblin, but do you I have am. a go-to set? Like that's your favorites? You know, I have a couple, usually the ones that are my favorites have significance to them. Mm -hmm. So like I have a set that is like a smoky clear with red lettering. That was my first dice set I ever bought. So I gravitate towards grabbing it, except when it's rolling badly different dice sets I've been given over the years from people like family and friends, like different times. I'll be like, Ooh, that wouldn't my grandma gave me that one or Ooh, my girlfriend gave me this one. So yes and no. I mean, <laughs> and then at the same time, if I'm just grabbing a die, sometimes I just grab a die. Yeah. Was, I know when we were playing together physically, you just had like a big bag of a bunch of dice and you would pull out like sets from within that. And, but I never noticed a particular pattern. No, there, there's not much of a particular pattern with those. Yeah, it was a lot of just this one today, that one today. But if I'm actually, you know, I don't know. If I'm actually thinking about it, I will go in and be like, ooh, I want to use this one, or I want to use this dice set today and that dice set tomorrow or whatever. How about you? I know you only have a handful of dice anyways. So. Well, I've got a couple of big handfuls, but um, yeah, I'm not 
the complete dice goblin that some people are, I actually tend to like just those kind of plain Chessex dice, mm-hmm. solid color or very close to a solid color. I have a set that's like a like a real dark gunmetal with like I think it's silver lettering on them mm-hmm. or numbers that are pretty nice. But I think the the ones that are kind of my current favorite as far as the basic polyhedrals are actually I got and it I, it wasn't something I added on, but I got two sets of these and I've showed them to you the the black dice with the red numbers that I got with the spy game Kickstarter. Oh yeah, and they're really nice dice. I don't know what it is about them but I really like them, but I have those. And then, you know, my red and white D sixes. Mm-hmm. I have Lord knows what board game I stole them out of. It could have been risk or who knows what, when I was a teenager, but I have a set of six, just regular D sixes, but they're red with white pips. And I've been going to re-ink them black because some of the pips were starting to chip out and whatnot. And I just thought that that would be a different combo that I don't usually see, but I haven't got there yet. And I'm also, when I backed um, Fragged 2nd Edition, I added on two sets of the D6s from that. So I'm curious to see what those look like when we get them. Yeah, I I have too many D6s. <laughs> well, see, I, I have a lot of them, but a lot of mine are just the plain white and black ones that are probably all stolen from God knows how many board games. Well, back I bet in you the my day- parents never play board games because they don't have any <laughs> dice left in them. Back in the day when I played minis games a lot of the minis games use D6s as their die. Mm-hmm. And so I bought tons of the, like, you know, the block of D6 that they sell. Chessex makes them. Mm-hmm. I've bought so many of those and I have so many D6. I found a whole bunch of them the other day. I was like, why do I have just like four of those blocks of the mini D6? And then I was like, oh wait, I remember why. Cause I tried 40 K once and I needed like 16 of these. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it, it's just been my dice habit is not so much particular sets like it used to be. I used to be like, oh, I like that set or oh, I like that set. It has become just more value in numbers. So I, I'm actually going to order another pound of dice eventually here. But <laughs> I just started buying the pound of dice and I'm like, OK, I like this because now I can just reach in and grab out whatever I need. And then when I'm at a table with people. And especially new players are bad about this of like, oh, I didn't bring my dice. Oh, here. And you just throw them at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I've thought about buying the pound of dice. At this point, I keep going, do I want to buy like a set of metal dice? Just because at this point, if I buy dice, it's kind of like I something specific about them that I, that I want. Not just, oh, I want more shinies. The metal dice, and I've had a set, and there's a reason I don't have them anymore. I gave my set that I had bought away because I used them for a while. There's a problem that I have with metal dice, and that is that they don't sound satisfying to roll. Like, in theory, you're like, oh, metal dice, these are going to feel great rolling. But they're just too heavy. They're too clunky. you got to be careful. Like, at the library where I used to hang out and play D&D all the time when I was younger, that's when I had my metal dice. We had a glass top table. I can't roll metal dice on a glass top table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have heard they'll they'll beat the snot out of a surface pretty good. They will. And and that's the other thing. And then you're like, oh, these are great. They're heavy. And then you you realize after a night of gaming, you're like, this kind of sucks. Like these are too heavy to roll. 
Like they're nice to have and nice to display, but I don't know. There's something about good resin clicky clacky dice that it just makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Now I do want to, at some point, cause my dad's really heavy into woodworking. I want to sit down with him and make a set of, he has got some gorgeous purple heart and a couple other things. I want to sit down with him and make some nice, really nice wooden dice, like a really nice wooden set. He's got some cedar. So if you know anything about cedar, it's sort of red on the outside, mm-hmm. white in the middle. I'd like to take sort of a cross section of that white and red and make some dice out of that just to get that little mix look. You know, another another wood that might be fun that way, if you can find any, I might have a small slab of it out in the garage. Have you ever actually seen sumac? Yes. Yeah, I have kind some of a weird green and yellow band. Yeah, it's 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 got some it's got some look to it. He has some and I don't even know. Somebody told him it was a maple and he doesn't know really what it is. It's it's not purple heart because like purple heart, when you get it wet, it's purple. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like a purple maple. I don't know. Most of the maples I've ever seen. It, it's very I mean, I, I think it's a beautiful wood. Very yeah. tight grain, usually very light, but it's actually extremely durable because, well, yeah, it's us well, in tangent. I have, um, you know, the teardrop shaped metal shaping hammers. Yeah. I made my own out of a, and I still have a big chunk of it out in the garage. Place I used to work, we used to get bundles of pipe. Yeah. And they would have stickers in between the bundles of pipe. And by stickers, I don't mean like what most people think of as stickers being, you know, the little thing you stick on somewhere. It's got adhesive. And in this, it's the term for, they call the, the boards that you stick in between bundles of pipe or stacks of wood. Right. And so this, it's almost a four by four. It's like three and a half by three and a half. And I still have like three feet of it left. It's fricking maple. Hmm. And I built or made myself a, a metal shaping hammer out of it. And it has held up to, well, that's pretty abusive to a wood surface, really. Yeah, it is. Well, maple is tough stuff. Like it, it really is. I had made a pen for somebody. I used to just because screw it. I don't care. We're going on tangents. I used to make pens. I used to turn them. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad's the king of coming home with just chunks of wood. And is like, hey, somebody gave me this. And he came home with um, speaking of maple. He came home with tiger. Ooh. And I cut my blank out of it and I stalled the bandsaw. And I was like, oh, shoot this stuff is tough but once i got it on the lathe it was like i had to resharpen my my tools because it was so tough Mm -hmm. but man tiger maple is gorgeous oh yeah gorgeous bird's eyes pretty too although it probably wouldn't do much in a pen because you just don't have enough mass no the the tiger you got the nice striping out of it and i was i was really happy with how that pen turned out i don't still have pictures of it on an old phone a while back mm-hmm. uh, curly maple looks really nice turned in pens too i used mm-hmm. to do that i used to really like doing that but wood's fun to work with it is it's it's a really weird not forgiving thing at all yeah well it's but it's so it's so most of the time it's so cheap that if you screw it up you just sort of eh, and and start over yeah especially for small projects because you buy a big chunk of wood you get a lot of small projects out of it right and if you know the right people, you don't even have to buy a big chunk of wood. You just get given big chunks of wood because 
what you do is you become friends with the people that own the sawmills. Mm -hmm. And when they have off cuts, wrong cuts, you know, when they screw up a big piece, you go, Hey, I'll take that big piece. Cause it's no good to them. They're going to throw it out. You take yep. it and turn it into a bunch of little pieces. Boom. <laughs> you have a bunch of little pieces of wood, but that has been the wood hour with me and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your turn again. Uh, Huh. What's your opinion on voices when playing RPGs? Well, I I enjoy it when it's done moderately well. You know, if if it's something that you can stick to, I think it's it's fun. Like I I try to do it sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Don't think I have the greatest range as far as voices I can do. Certain voices I can fall into very easily. Other ones I think I have an idea and you've heard me do this. And then the character is all over the place every session for the next, how long other ones I, I can just hone in on and nail it and stay there. You know, like I said, I think it's, it's fine either way. I think as long as you can do it to where it's, it's not an unwelcome distraction. Yeah. Yeah. That's so personally for me, I will try voices and then usually just drop them. <laughs> or if, if it's something like I have a couple that I can do well, and that's just because that's how people in my life talk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll say this because I know he'll never hear it. I love my cousin to death, but, you know, we're both from, well, you're from more like North Central PA right. originally. I'm from that like South, Southeastern corner or Southwestern corner, right? My cousin and I don't know anybody around him that talks like this. Like none of my family talks like this, but my cousin has this, I'm going to take a tracker down there and go down there and, you know, run over there and load up on hay, you know, I load up on hay down there and then I run the tracker back over this way. It's like nobody around me talks like that. <laughs> it sounds like a hillbilly Pittsburgh keys. It is. It's the weirdest, like it's somewhere between like a Southern draw and Pittsburghies, and it is, it's a lot of, it's not there, it's there, it's, um, tractor. Tractor has too many, too many letters. <laughs> he just calls it a tracker. I'm gonna <laughs> take a tracker down there. And it, it is, that's a voice that I can do because I've heard it. And the funny thing is, is me and him are only like two years apart. He is like two years older than me, mm -hmm. grew up just up the road from me. and we are completely different vocally. <laughs> hmm. And it is so funny. I've grown up with it my entire life that I can do it like for hours. Cause that's how he's always talked. I don't understand it. Hmm. That voice for whatever reason, I think I can do a, like a, a Quebec Montreal voice. I think it's funny, but that one's just me playing around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I try to stay away from the, uh, Try to stay away from the ones that are like, don't do anything too obnoxious. Don't do anything that's going to draw attention away from the game. Yeah, you can do a silly voice and and have a laugh if that's your goal. But try not to make that like, just don't be annoying. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, but like, okay, in my head at this point, I'm thinking of Xavier. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my warlock character in one of the 5e games we played where... It was kind of an over-the-top silly French in some ways, but, like, you guys wouldn't let me stop doing it. 
No, because everybody wanted me to do it because and and I'll say this, whether you were intentionally doing it or not, you have a little bit of background in speaking French. So you have a little bit of knowledge on how that how that accent comes about. Mm -hmm. And to you, it may have sounded way too over the top and goofy, but to the rest of the table, yes, it was goofy, but it wasn't too over the top. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the only other accent I think I've ever been able to stick with with a character consistently was um, in our Genesis space game, my space redneck, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's, like I said, that's a lot of my, if I'm going to try and do a voice, a lot of my voices are redneck, because it's just, that's just what I grew up around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I can drop drop into a kind of a gravelly southern, you know, kind of like, well, y'all going to do yeah. this thing with me or whatever. I can I can drop into that almost effortlessly, but I don't have a lot of variation I can pull off with it. So Well, we're not voice actors. No. <laughs> that's And that's not me saying, that's not me discouraging anyone that's like, "Oh, well, I'm not a voice actor. Maybe I shouldn't." No. Go for it. If you want to yeah. try and do a voice and you don't think it's going to be too distracting at the table, do it. Nobody is stopping you. But yeah, just be aware if you're doing a voice that is also if you're doing a voice that's hard for the people at the table to understand, try to try to maybe maybe have in character bits and then out of character bits where you say, well, he sort of says something along the lines of this. And then, you know, if you want to role play that out, you can say it. But if somebody goes, well, what, what did you say? Explain in, in, in kind of clear language, what you were trying to say. Yeah, no. And that's, that's another, that is one thing that I like about doing voices is that it allows you as the player to more clearly delineate between in character and out of character. Right. Which, you know, interestingly, we haven't actually done a lot of referencing critical role in a while, but it's kind of interesting to watch them do it because they're all professional voice actors. And of course, Matt, Matt drops in and out a lot. Liam almost never does. Liam sticks in character a lot of right. the time. Travis, Travis does. Drops in and out a lot. Travis is funny watching him drop in and out because he'll, he'll do something and then it won't come out the way he wants. And he'll drop out of character like, come on, <laughs> Marisha and Ashley. Marisha doesn't come out of character very often. No, Laura. Laura does. Laura doesn't spend a lot of time in character, I should say. It depends. Yeah, I... it depends on the character she's playing. When she was playing um, Jester, she she spent as minimal amount of time in character as she could. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then... I haven't listened to the new campaign at all. So, well, I listened to like the first episode, I think, and I've been in a weird mood around my podcast listening of late. And then Ashley, or not Ashley, um, Marisha, Ashley, Talison, Talison. It's hard with Talison because, and I don't mean this to be rude, but a lot of Talison's voices are just Talison. They're very subtle. Yeah. I, I, I like his voice. I like him as a voice actor, but Talison's voices are very much, I mean, Percy was the farthest from maybe actual Tal. No, I wouldn't say that. What I'll say is um, Caduceus was the farthest from actual Talison hearing him talk because mm -hmm. he had sort of that slow witted about him. But I think what Talison does is he changes his manner of speaking more than his voice of speaking. Yes. Which is another element of voicing a character, right? You know, and I think that's the 
the tricky thing maybe about doing a lot of accents, quote unquote, well, is knowing the words that are different, you know, and that's where like voice actors, you know, they, they spend time studying this, doing research, whatever, but that's a whole nother topic we have minimal knowledge on. And I'll say this sort of as someone who doesn't have a lot of knowledge on it, but enough, if you don't want to commit to voices, at least change your cadence, change your cadence, change your, your vocal timing. You can do that easily. I, I used to know a guy who spoke clear English, but he would um, talk a lot like, uh, and you know, we went down to the, uh, and it was a lot of these clear and obvious breaks in, in, in just what he was saying. You understood what he was saying. He's like I said, spoke clear English, but it was a lot of just really slow, perpetual breaks. Whereas somebody, you know, you might have somebody who talks really fast and they might really just get into it and just really want to talk your ear off and tell you all about all the things they want to do. And, you know, we need to hire this crew because they got to get down there and do, uh, we got to get them to stop the bad guys because the bad guys are coming. You know, they're coming. It doesn't take much to do that type of thing. You know what I mean? No. Well, that's what I meant. You know, the manner of speaking as opposed to the voice. Yeah. It, you, you don't necessarily have to change your voice to portray a different character. Mm -hmm. So I, I know we sort of have repeated that like a bunch, but I don't really, I can't <laughs> think of how else to say it. Fair. All right. We done with that one then? Yeah, I think we're done with that one. Okay. So how about, are there any systems and in, in some of this, because I've just, well, I took breaks, so it doesn't, maybe I haven't really been playing that much longer than you in, in total. But anyway, is there a system that you've played that at the time you just were kind of like meh, meh on, and and now having been away from it for a while, you're like, man, I kind of want to go back and try that out again. Like I might get it more now or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what the system was. GURPS was one of those for me. I when I first tried GURPS, I didn't get it, and then as time went on, I got it. There's also like. Boy, are there any for you that come to mind? Because I'm uh, just give me a second because I got to think. I think for me, it's it's the world of darkness. You know, the White Wolf storyteller story path, you know, back in the late 90s, I didn't get it. And now, not that I particularly want to play like Vampire the Masquerade, but part of me would really like to kind of like do something with like Werewolf or maybe Hunter, you know, something like that, like. I'd kind of like to to see how that system feels now that I've matured more and and maybe understand what they were aiming for a little more. I have one. I, I remembered one that that back in the day I didn't get, and now I now I absolutely want to try it again. Powered by the apocalypse. Okay. I uh I I couldn't ever get a game off the ground, but when I read. I don't remember what game it was. I want to say it was Ross Rifles. When I first read Ross Rifles, I was like, I don't quite understand this system. And now that I've had a little bit more exposure to Powered by the Apocalypse, I'm like, okay, I definitely want to try this again because there was something I was missing when I was originally looking at it. There was context missing. Mm -hmm. Genesis was that game up until we got to play it for the first time. Like, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on here. And then now we've played it and I understand it completely. Yeah, there's been a lot of games over the years that I didn't understand until I got to play them. And then once I did play them, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's just a product of sometimes reading a game is not the right answer. Well, I, I, or not the best way to understand how the game is played, I should say. Yeah, well, I think some of that maybe 
and particularly like with like say GURPS or Palladium, not so much because Palladium didn't put out, at least that I know of, an actual generic engine. They used the same engine for you know a whole bunch of different stuff, and and you could clearly see it was the same system. But you know like Genesis, Court, you know GURPS, Savage Worlds, they're all reading those kind of generic rule system books. I think sometimes as much as I do digest system very well, usually without application, it's a little bit harder to, to grok at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have another, I don't have another one right now. Do you have another one? Sure. So, all right, well, let's just do this just because favorite combat system. Cyberpunk 2020. I, I definitely go there for ranged. It's probably one of my favorite ranged combat systems. I, I, don't know that I liked it as well for melee though. Twenty twenty for melee isn't terrible. Red for melee is a little. Mm. Red's I think better for melee than twenty twenty was. I th- I think we didn't play a lot of red, so it's hard no. to say as much as we wanted to at least. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I think my favorite combat system was actually. You know what? Screw it. I know what my favorite combat system is. It's cyborg. <laughs> because of its absolute and utter simplicity. Fair. That is a combat system that is is like deadly, fast, and perfect. Yeah. Yeah, for what it is, it is pretty darn yeah. It's it's yeah, it's it's very deadly. It's very fast. There's not a lot to understand. Yeah. It's like I have a friend I have a friend that she's never really played anything other than D D but she's very interested in cyberpunk games. So I told her about my uh, uh, cyborg game coming up soon. And I said, hey, do you want to play in this? She's like, yeah, I'm interested. All right, cool. So I sent her the one-page sheet of the rules. I'm like, here's the rules for everything for gameplay. She's like, I don't understand. I'm like, that's that's it. Everything you see on this page is everything you need to know on how to play the game. <laughs> she's like, oh, w- w- what about character creation? Don't worry about character creation. I'll give you a character. But <laughs> <laughs> even that's simple. Yeah. Yeah. Even that's just, you just re- like, if you can follow step-by-step instructions, you can build a character in Cyborg. I mean, as long as you can manage to roll dice and follow step-by-step instructions, you can build a character in Cyborg. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of systems, but it's, it's so co- Cyborg. And I'm guessing Morkborg is the same way. I haven't actually read that yet, but you know, it's the same basic premise. It's, it's so, it's so tight and so stripped down. Uh Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's everything you, everything you need at its core and nothing extra. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So I, I sent that to her and she was like amazed. And I was like, yeah, welcome to the world. I'm like, I have full games that I could send you that are only one page, (laughs) but no, I, I, and then she started asking questions about combat. I'm like, well, the book says this, she looked, she goes, yeah, it does. It just, you just do it. I'm like, yep, exactly. You just do it. And I think that's why, I think that's why I pick Cyborg because, well, and Morkborg does it too, but Cyborg just does it so well when it comes to characters that are like ranged combat, hand-to-hand combat, hacking in combat. Hacking in Cyborg is, you know, hacking in Red was fine. Hacking in 2020 was not great. I'm just not going to lie. Hacking in Cyborg is actually kind of okay. 
because they boiled it down to its essence and it's not this like super convoluted thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think that's my go-to when it comes to, to combat, I think cyborg. So what's yours? I would say I, I'm very, very similar to you. I think, yeah, ranged combat, cyberpunk 2020 is hard to beat. I think I actually, I think I like it. Cyberpunk red again, very, very similar certain elements I like better about either one. You know, like there's some things I think red for a I think red system-wise is very close to 2020 just cleaned up and and modernized. Yeah. And there are elements to red that I like but are a little more cumbersome when it comes to the range combat. Like for example, I remember that with long guns, you know, rifles, shotguns, rifles at least, your hit number at very close range is actually higher, which is simulationally accurate, but becomes a little, it's a little more fiddly to play with. But I like the way that like with 2020, it was all broken down into very simple range bands. You know, they were the same for all your classes of weapons, which, you know, but yeah. So on that, on that level, I'd probably go with, you know, the, the cyberpunk, the, the Artel Sargon cyberpunk, we'll say. Mm-hmm. But melee, man, I, you know what? It's it's hard to argue with just the the brutal simplicity that is the the Stockholm Cartel stuff. Yeah, um, Morkborg and Cyborg. It 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 does what you need it to do. Well, what I'll say about what I'm also going to say about Cyborg, and it's something that I think is kind of interesting. Cyborg compared to Cyborg compared to Cyberpunk. When you when you're using a gun in Cyberpunk that is auto fire, right? So mm-hmm. it, it it has you know burst or just full auto. Yeah, technically it makes it more difficult to fire, but it also makes it. I don't know. There were there were fiddly things about using an auto fire gun in Cyberpunk mm-hmm. that they sort of like fixed in Morkborg or in in Cyborg, I should say, mm-hmm. where it like. Auto fire and cyberpunk was like you you rolled one attack and it just did multiple damage. I like that in cyborg it is each attack is into each shot is individual because even though the gun is automatically firing, it doesn't mean that you're not firing each shot and there's multiple. It doesn't mean that it's like a scatter gun where you're making one shot and there's multiple bullets. You're making each shot individually as long as you're holding that trigger down. Right. So that's interesting. Just a, just a thought I had. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I really... Man, I can't wait to play that game again. <laughs> I, I really like Cyborg. I really do. It's got some really cool concepts, but at the end of the day, it is a fantastic cyberpunk game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, very deadly, very, very rules light, but in more of a like an OSR sense where it's dirty and gritty and nasty and it relies on the players and the table to bring the non-combat elements to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to sit there and be like, it's not going to sit there and hold your hand and walk you through every bit of like, I think that's maybe a fault on it. If you're not a super experienced game master or you're not somebody who um, has a lot of knowledge on narrative heavy games, I don't think, I don't think cyborg is going to help you at all. Because at its at its core, it, it basically is like here's the here's some story stuff, but you're gonna come up with your own story pretty much. Here's uh 
here's some session building stuff, but there are no like GM tips. You know what I mean? No, but it's also not, it's not aimed at new role players. No, never. I think it could be, I think it could be played by new role players. I think it would just take a little bit. It would take somebody at the table that has had some experience to be like, all right, well, you need to understand this. You know what I mean? I don't think it's bad for new people to play necessarily, but I think you have to have someone with some experience to guide them. Yeah. As either the GM or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be the game that you grab to teach somebody how to play RPGs. I still stand by that. Genesis is the game that you grab to teach somebody how to play RPGs. Yeah. It teaches a lot of interesting things and it's a weird, weird, like I've said, it's the narrative system for traditional players. Mm -hmm. And that sounds a little weird unless you understand what that means, but it it's, very narrative, and yet it's still got a lot of traditional mechanical elements, and it blends them well, so that I think either side can play it and not feel totally out of their element. Mm-hmm. I think my thing. Oh well, no. Let me. I'll, I'm just going to tangent and go off on it. I don't care. <laughs> I think my thing with Genesis and the reason why I'm I'm now grabbing it for new players, and I realized this. I realized this the last time we played Genesis. It is that Genesis teaches the let's play pretend stuff better than other systems that are aimed towards new players do, right? So sometimes when you're coming, like, especially if you have somebody coming off of Dungeons and Dragons, which is very, and I don't mean this as a dog at it. I, I understand it's a good thing, but it's very handholding. Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons lays out, you have these skills. You can do that. It doesn't necessarily walk you through how to, you know, aside from aside from like the skills that you have on your sheet, it doesn't walk you through how you could do something out of the ordinary, Mm -hmm. right? Genesis, however, very much other than the talents limits the amount of skills on your sheet and goes, I don't know, figure it out. And in the book, it walks new players through logical things you might do in certain situations. That's one of the things I really like about the Genesis book is it's it's very much aimed towards players. And I think that's something that when you have a player, a new player coming off of either Dungeons and Dragons or not playing anything ever before, you have to understand is that sometimes, and this is more true with adult players than it is with younger players, it's harder for us to wrap our heads around how to play pretend. Yeah. I found this with with more adult players that are new to RPGs that have always been interested in RPGs, but they don't understand. Like, with Dungeons & Dragons, it's always been, you know, enter dungeon, kick in door, do the thing. And all that's laid out on your sheet. Mm-hmm. In Genesis, there is a dungeon. You can go there, or you could not go there. You could kick in the door, or... You could not kick in the door. You know, it's all these things that it's not defined. And so teaching people how to how to use their mind and think of what they want to do is easier. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, it's it's good at presenting the options without saying this is the good one. Right, right. I think that's one of the things that 
D&D kind of is bad at. I think it sort of presents the options and it is like, well, but this one's probably the best. Fair. <laughs> All right. Maybe a couple more questions and... Yeah. All right. So let's go with... And I'm thinking this, when I say this, let's just go with, say, somewhere between two and four systems that you really want to try but haven't gotten to play at all yet. Savage Worlds, BBTA, Powered by the Apocalypse, uh, Fate, and, um, well, just misspent youth in general. <laughs> Fair. I'm, I'm curious about all those. If I was going to put, I think I got to go, well, it's three and a half, I guess. Savage Worlds, definitely. I, I want to get, but I feel like that's one that's going to be easier to learn at a physical table. Savage Worlds? Yeah. Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah, there's a, a couple of games out there I really want to try out. I mean, Misspent Youth sounds really interesting, although that's very different. Kind of is a add-on to Powered by the Apocalypse. You have Forged in the Dark, you know, Blades mm -hmm. in the Dark, Band of Blades. Mm -hmm. which is a derivative system in its design. And boy, I, well, I, I'm having trouble limiting myself because like I've got a couple of free league, you know, year zero games sitting here. I've got Haunted West sitting here and I yeah. haven't got to do anything with those. And it's like, man, I do want to do those. But I think Savage Worlds is, is high on the list. Powered by the Apocalypse is definitely high on the list. I'll say this from working on my working on my Tales from the Loop game. The Free League Year Zero engine is kind of... I think you just need to read the book on that one. I think you could get it. Yeah. Well, I've got Twilight and Mutant Year Zero sitting here, so... Yeah, I think that's that's one that I could pick up from just reading the book because I had a pretty solid grasp on it. We just never really got around to... Like, we played a little bit, but we never... Yeah, that I had of actually kind of half forgotten about that. But... Yeah, Fate is one that, after hearing Tom sort of talk about that, that was one that, that I've been like, need to get that on the table. Yeah, I, I'd kind of like to give that a try. Oh, I'd like to give that a try. I mean, there's, there's you know, a bunch of stuff that, like, I'd kind of like to try 2D20. I'd kind of like to try Age. Yeah, Age is there. 2D20 is there. I just want to try 2D20 because Jay Little worked on it, and I, I've never played a game of his I don't like, so. Fair. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a reason we do game of the week. <laughs> Speaking of which, I almost well, about not quite. Me. I got I got one more, at least I think I want to do here. So let's go classic desert island question. Mm -hmm. You get to take three games with you. What are they? Cyborg, Genesis, Cyborg, Genesis, and then I don't know. I don't think I take a third. <laughs> I don't know that I need a third. Okay. Yeah, because I can do. With Cyborg, I can with Cyborg I can do pretty much any combat type thing. With Genesis, I can do any sort of narrative type thing. I don't know. I might take uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Going old school. Yeah, I okay. think that's I think that's my three. Okay, so so let's parameter this. Are we on the same island? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so I'm gonna say Genesis Cyborg. And Delta Green. Okay. Take Delta because, Green for that horror. Well, yeah. I think Delta Green does some things that I don't think Genesis does particularly well. Yeah, I can agree with that. I it's it's almost a toss up for me between 
2020 Red and Cyborg. But the reason I'll go Cyborg over the other two is because if I've got Genesis, I feel like I can get reasonably close to a to a 2020 or Red feel with that, but I can't get all the way to Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think with uh, I think with Cyborg, I can get close enough to Red or 2020. And then I think with Genesis, I can, well, Genesis core rules, I can run anything I want pretty mm-hmm. much. Like it's short for like a magic system, which if I want to play magic, I'll just grab advanced dungeons and dragons. Fair. So I can tell the more like hard fantasy, everything in between with Genesis, hard sci-fi or hard cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm not, you know, I don't think there's wrong answer. It was just, I figured no, it would be. No, I just that's just my logic behind it is that like, okay, if I want to play fantasy, I'm going to grab Dungeons and Dragons because at least that does fantasy. Well, if I'm going to play sort of more human based stories, I'm going to grab Genesis because Genesis is narrative and great for that. And then if I want to run anything that's got some teeth or cyberpunk, definitely cyborg is best for that. I can't say that, uh, I can disagree with your arguments. So any other questions? I <laughs> I mean, I have one more that I'd written down. Oh, what the hell? We can do it. It's a quick one. Do you ever just straight bounce off a system, like read it and just go, yeah, I don't think so? I, I know we had them on the podcast, and I like their setting. The Battle Lords of the 23rd Century system has, I started reading it and bounced off it hard. Mm-hmm. I... Can't fault you, to be honest. I mean, I think the setting sounds awesome as all hell. But what I've read of the system from, like, the quick starts, I don't feel like learning that system for just that setting. Yeah. And that's why I was interested in their Savage World product, because I think in Savage Worlds, that's probably a better, for me at least, that's probably a better game. Yeah. That may be on Kickstarter now. I don't honestly know. I know it's got to be getting close. I know they were, yeah, it was, it was getting close. I don't know if it is yet or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking in all honesty, and, and here's the thing with this, this one, I will caveat this by saying I would actually like to try and play it a time or two, but mm-hmm. for me as a GM, I kind of bounce off is Cortex, Cortex Prime. And I'm going to say this because it's got a lot of moving parts on the setup side of things from the system. Mm-hmm. And as much as sometimes I wish Genesis had a couple more knobs, it feels like Cortex is all knobs. I think the thing with Genesis is that Genesis may, it, it might be nice to have a couple more knobs with Genesis, but it, it's built in a way that you can make more knobs with Genesis. Well, yeah, I think the thing for me, and it may be that that bit I was talking about a little bit ago, where with sometimes with a generic thing, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it if I don't see solid examples. Kind of like calculus class in college was a nightmare for me, but I love physics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm a, I can't do mathematics unless it's applied. You know, and and like so at this point just the way my whatever works, I would much rather go grab a different dedicated system for a different thing I want to focus on than have Cortex and turn the knobs all this way or that way or whatever. That's just me. I'm not saying that Cortex is a bad system in any way. I would love to try and play it, but I don't know. 
I feel like I was trying to learn Cortex and I kind of feel like I have to have somebody teach it to me. Yeah. And that's not something I've said about an RPG in a while, because usually, usually I can figure out RPGs on my own, Mm -hmm. but I feel like Cortex is one of those ones. And this is not a fault with it. I, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just get this feeling like I should have somebody teach me this game rather than me try to figure it out because I get the feeling that I'll be playing it wrong. Yeah. I get the feeling that like if I try to figure it out, I'm going to make a Cortex game and not that, you know, there's necessarily a wrong way to play games, but but you don't want to make a you don't want to make a, a fool of yourself sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I get the feeling like I would make a Cortex game and be like, okay, I think this is how this works. And I'd go to run it for people that play Cortex all the time. And then they would be like, what? No, that's how, where did you get that from? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's weird. It, it. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad in any way. It's just sort of odd. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I have very little interest to run it. Basically no interest in, in running Cortex Prime at this point but I would happily play it given the opportunity. I really want to understand. And, and I mean, I'm sure our audience can get mad at me for this or whatever, but I really understand. I want to understand why people say that cortex is a system that you can slot into other systems. Like, I don't understand that part. That's the part that breaks my head because it's like, well, but why would I like, why would I want to slot cortex into other systems? You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Like, yeah. If, uh, if ghost, ghost, he's talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I know, but if I'm playing a game, part of the reason I picked that game is because it does a thing I want it to do, right? Right. Like if I'm playing Twilight 2K, the reason I picked Twilight 2K is because it does war stories really well. Mhm. I'm not going to play a war story in a system that doesn't have good combat. And so maybe like what I'm driving at is like what's my ins- what what's gained when i slot cortex into say genesis right do i gain a better combat system is that a thing i can do if that's not a thing i can do then i i just don't get it you know what i mean i i don't understand yeah. when when people like jt and and you know they got a fantastic podcast with pride by cortex but when they talk about you know oh well it's a it's it's a modular tool set basically that is also a game. I, I just can't my brain doesn't comprehend what is being said to me. Yeah. It's almost like you're speaking a foreign language and then when I and I I don't want to say this is a fault of the game, but when I tried to read that book, I didn't get it. I couldn't I still couldn't get my head wrapped around it. Yeah. Well, it I think for me and and maybe this is just because how my brain works but I think I've used this analogy in, in conversations you and I have had before. You know I'm I'm a bit of a tool junkie. Right. I do own a Leatherman or two. You know, the folding multi-tool thingies yeah. with pliers and everything. But every time I grab my Leatherman, the only reason I grab it is because it's the only tool I have. It's that or I don't want to have a pocket full of tools that, right. because, you know, whatever. I'm, I am much more the person who I want the dedicated tool for the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Every time I use, every time I use a Leatherman, I'm like, man, I freaking hate these pliers. <laughs> like, like 
it is the worst of all worlds. Like, and that's not saying that they're bad, but no, that and that's sort of like I again just not having the concept down in my head, not understanding cortex. I think is is where I'm getting. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. And I've tried joining Cortex games, and then it's like, well, they usually end up fizzling, which sucks. But yeah, I just, I, I just don't know. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like ignorance is is bliss, but also like in this case, I know enough to know that I should care, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, like it's a game that I, I feel bad saying I don't like it but yeah all right you got anything more um no not really all right shall we do game of the week then sure all right give me the week game of the week game of the week would you like me to go first or would you like to go first i'll go first okay so there was a there was a company in the 90s called west end games uh-huh and they had a, a mildly popular D6 system, you know. I, I, I don't it wasn't like, you know, Star Wars was run off of it or anything. <laughs> um, and they went away, right? West End Games has dissolved and, you know, Wayne has taken over. So I, I have a game here by a company called Magnetic Press Play. Okay. The game is called Carbon Gray. I remember hearing about this. And they're advertising it as the return of the D6 system by West End Games. So they're not advertising it as Woyne. No, Woyne is EN Publishing. It's clearly, in my opinion, it's clearly derived from the DNA of um, the Well, D6. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Pathfinder. Yeah, well, <laughs> the the actual the West End system is now open license. It's uh, under an open license called the Open D6 system. Well, they are they are using that Open D6 system and, like I said, advertising it as the West End Games D6 system. And they're just they've changed a few things. They're calling it the magnetic variant D6 MV rule set. This seems kind of cool though, because their their actual blurb is survive the griminess of trench warfare, dare to soar deadly skies, master the art of espionage to uncover the secrets of your enemy. And it seems like a weird fantasy World War One type game. Yeah. Looking at some of the, it does look pretty darn interesting. And they have both a setting primer and a quick start guide that are pay what you want. Right. And this was just released on the 11th of April. Okay. So it's, it's pretty new out. I don't know if it was kickstarted or whatever, but it was, that's where I heard about it. It just seems like a really cool thing. That, yeah. that, and and I never got to play the West End D6 system. This would be something I would be interested in playing the West End D6 system in. Freaky, weird, space, fantasy, ARP, you know, World War One's trench warfare style, gritty, grimy game. Yeah. No, this, and there's a lot of stuff on here for it. I mean, like, there's the core rule book and several expansions and... Yeah, they've they've got multiple expansions out. They have an omnibus, which I'm not sure what that entails. That looks like maybe an adventure or more setting stuff. It looks like maybe more setting stuff. Yeah, it just it's something that exists and looks kind of cool, and I'm very interested to see what this is. Yeah, that does actually look kind of kind of different and and interesting. Yeah, 
yeah, that's what caught my eye. I was like, this is different. This is not your usual, you know, your usual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to check out. All right. Well, I've got one that, oh, I first heard about it a couple of years ago. It's been out for a couple of years now. But, uh, you know, we're we're currently playing a Mutant City Blues game, which is kind of mostly street-level superheroes or super-powered characters and whatever in a police procedural. Well, the game I found is a game called Capers. And what this is, is it kind of takes that notion Those are of... delicious. <laughs> not that kind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to come at me with a cooking game. No, 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 no titanium chef this week. Oh. Um, but uh, no, it kind of takes that approach of what if we took supers and inserted them in and takes it to 1920s prohibition era United States. Oh, cool. So it's, you know, 20s is prohibition era. Alcohol is illegal. Organized crime, of course, is taking off at an you know, amazing rate because they're running booze, mm-hmm. you know, law enforcement, et cetera, you know, the untouchables, whatever else. But as the PCs, you are one of a handful of people who have been gifted with superpowers. So do you use these abilities to build a criminal empire? Do you, you know, do you become, you know, Elliot Ness? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it feels like an interesting little, you know, not all the time, but you know what? This could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's called Capers. It's from uh, Nerdburger Games, written by Craig Campbell, who I believe runs that company. But uh, yeah, it just, uh, I, I believe he kickstarted it. No, well, it looks like about four years, three and a half years ago now, maybe. But uh, you, know, you can get it on drive-thru and PDF and print-on-demand or uh, saying in the drive-thru listing that they also sell it on the Nerdburger Games website. So uh, might be worth very, checking out. Very cool. Yep. Well, with all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, as always, links to everything are in the show notes, along with Facebook, Discord, Twitter, TikTok, and some soon-to-be stuff will be in the show notes, which we're not going to make an announcement yet because I haven't done any of the actual legwork for it. yeah patreon patreon as it's getting to be summer i want to start reminding people this october october 1st and 2nd we will be at the pittsburgh gaming expo in monroeville pennsylvania Mm -hmm. so check that out at pgx we'll have the link to the show in the show or link to the con in the show notes i see you're making a note of that please Uh uh-huh But yeah, we will be running games, we'll be hosting a panel, and we will be generally hanging out. So if you want to meet us, I don't know why, but if you want to meet us and you're, you know, willing to come to or in the Pittsburgh area, Pittsburgh Gaming Expo. Yes. Uh, Seems like some really cool folks over there. So, yep. Like I said, links to everything in the show notes. Patreon's there, uh, Discord, Twitter, Facebook. TikTok, all that fun stuff, all the links to our game of the week. And with all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening and remind you, be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all.
Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast. On Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Something, something, Batman. Got it. <laughs> I didn't say anything about Batman. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, uh, all right.